Hi, I'm Simon Hill, and you're watching Purebred Reds, Adelaide United Fan TV. Are you after the latest and greatest football kits, boots, goalkeeper gear, team wear, accessories, or equipment? Look no further than South Australia's very own soccer specialty store, Soccer Locker. An Australian-owned and operated business, the store is located at Shop 5 of 181 to 183 Grange Road, Findon. Founded in 2012, Soccer Locker was introduced into the market to fulfil all the soccer-related needs of Australians, providing a huge range of quality clothing and equipment, ranging from soccer balls, team kits, goalkeeper gear, accessories, and much more. As well as stocking all current football merch from your favourite overseas teams, recently arrived stock also includes stunning retro kits from some of our favourite past eras as fans of the world game. So get shopping now at our Finden store, open from Monday to Friday and open Saturdays from 9am to 3pm. Or visit us online and take advantage of free shipping from across Australia at soccerlocker.com.au. G'day guys and welcome to the Purebred Reds, Adelaide United Fan TV. I'm your host, Ellis Gelios, in today to preview our game against the Central Coast Mariners this Friday night. And I'm joined by a former player of the club. He played 81 games in his A-League career, played for Adelaide United uh, in 2012, played nine games for us as well. I speak of Jacob Melling. Jacob, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you doing, mate? Very well, mate. Uh, great to get you on. Uh, you're up to plenty at the moment, having uh, just left the Central Coast Mariners uh, towards the end of last year. Just your life is very busy, as I understand at the moment, and we'll get to this a little bit later on in the interview as well. But uh, how are you holding up at the moment? Yeah, very well. Very well. Uh, obviously, just um, obviously transitioning to something different. Um, it's been very hard mentally, just obviously being a professional footballer for nine years. It's sort of, you sort of, get to understand that sort of lifestyle and things do change and look I'm really enjoying the next step in my life but at the same time obviously it's just a different concept that it takes me a little bit longer to adapt to and I feel like I am it's obviously just gonna it's a bit longer of a process yeah fantastic stuff mate well we've got plenty to get through we're going to preview the game against uh, your former club between two of your former clubs Adelaide United and Central Coast Mariners it's a huge game for us this Friday night um, and then we're going to talk a lot more about what makes the great uh, man behind the player that is Jacob Melling uh, so we'll get straight into it mate uh, it's a 6.35 kickoff guys this Friday night at Cooper's Stadium as always if you can't get to the game make sure you tune in on Fox Sports or the KO Sports app at the time of filming. We have no squads. Um, we're going to start off with the very tragic news, Jacob, that uh, your former teammate from the Adelaide United youth team days and someone you played against at A-League level, at the senior level, Nathan Kosandopoulos, uh, very sadly on Monday, went down with his second ACL injury during training. Uh, he's just come back from an ACL, as we know as well. Um, now, as a former teammate of yours, uh, Surely you can vouch for the fact that he's got the kind of character needed to, to to come back from this again. He'll know what it takes, obviously, having been through it so recently. But it's it's very sad. But uh, Jacob, surely we'll see Nathan Constant up and running again uh, as, as soon as we hopefully can. Yeah, look, he's a very strong-minded person. And I've known him for a long time. I've played against him in juniors as well. And for me, he's always been very driven and very strong-minded. And obviously, he's always looked after his body really well. I think that side of it will be fine. Obviously, coming back from injury is just another, obviously, hurdle who's got to overcome, and he has done it before. And I have no doubt he'll come back but bigger and stronger than he already is now. So for him, like, it's obviously just trying to stay his focused and 
and it can be tough. Obviously, everyone gets injuries and there's always setbacks. But for him, I think it's just obviously it's just a, it's a setback for him. But knowing that what he's like is, and his personality, he'll just take it on the chin and sort of just keep moving forward with it and start his recovery process as quick as he can. You played against him uh, for Western Sydney during the 2017 FFA Cup as well. Um, tell us, obviously, you know, you, you've had injuries yourself. Uh, how, how hard is it from the mental point of view? Because for Nathan, this is really going to challenge him from a, from a psychological standpoint, isn't it? It really does. Like, especially, I think what the hardest thing is, is the fact that you sort of, you sort of, in a way, do feel isolated because you're not always with the boys. You're sort of doing your own thing and, and you're always obviously trying to work hard to get back. And so you, you are training with the boys. But I think that, that isolation where you, you're obviously trying to strengthen yourself back up to be, to be back out on the field, it does take it out of you because you, you see the boys training and you want to just, you're like you're looking out the window or you've done your, your gym session and then you just sort of got to wait around until after and then to do another session. And you sort of, I think that just is mentally draining in a lot of ways um, to, uh, for anybody really just because you know, you love the game and you want to be out there as much as possible and be with the boys and have a laugh and obviously get them as much out of it as you can. And for him, I feel like he's strong enough to obviously to continue to do that. And I know that a lot of players it would break and, and so there's some players that have had more. I know Corey Gamero has had three ACL tests and he still came back strong and uh, stronger than he did, ever did. And obviously things, things change in, in the world of football very quickly. So, uh, look, all the like, I'm just all all the best to him. I'm, I'm, I've messaged him, so all the best to him about everything. And obviously, um, I'm ringing for him and make sure he comes back stronger than he did before. Very, very wise words from the young man that you still are as well. Very similar in age to Nathan. Uh, so the news of Nathan's injury has only further added to uh, your hometown club's misery as of late, Jacob. Uh, Shambolic second half against MacArthur. It felt like uh, it could have been 8-0 at times there if it wasn't for the young Noel Smith who uh, intervened on numerous occasions to ensure that we didn't concede uh, more goals than we did. What do you think the main issues are right now for Adelaide United? I think sometimes it's just obviously they, they ha you've always had and Adelaide have always had a great group of boys. The team's always well gelled really well and then the, there's there's no sort of never seen to be too much of a divide in the team. They've always been very close and everyone gets along really well. I think sometimes it's just it's working or it's not working. And I think that's the that's the hard thing to try to find. And some things it's not even really too much that needs to change for it to work. And I think that as as you were saying that we got the, obviously you have the Mariners this weekend. And I think that's the same thing. I don't think much has changed within the squad group itself, just a couple of players and they're top of the league at the moment. They're performing very well week in, week out. Obviously, there's little details that have changed. And I think that's the, the case for Adelaide. It's just obviously trying to tweak a few things because like you said, at the start of the season, you did come off flying and then th things happen and there's a couple of injuries and setbacks uh, at every club. And it's just trying to obviously tweak it to, to get it back to what it was. Very well said. Uh, we'll move forward. So you were once, as we all know, a starting central midfielder at our club. Uh, I wonder what you make of the current midfield setup that we have going at Adelaide United. It's chopped and changed plenty of times from a 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2 before games. During games, uh, Carl Vietz trying to change a lot, uh, using various combinations uh, to see what works the best. Uh, we're obviously missing a number 10 at the moment. Your ex-teammate, Stefan Mork, doing his best to fill that gap. Um, how do you, as, as a midfielder yourself, view 
how we should be lining up in that in that department at the moment because uh, obviously Carl needs to get it right sooner rather than later. Um, so from a formational point of view and in terms of combinations as well, if you want to go down that line, what do you think would suit us best? Uh, I think what would suit you best, like every coach is different in the way they want to play. So that's the hard thing. And I think that's what, obviously, because you did start off so well and then obviously going to a few games where you've not gotten the results you want, that you do try to change things and see what, what's going to work and what's not working. And I think that's what he's obviously trying to do and see what works best for, for him and for the team itself. And I, I like personally, I like to play a 4-3 four, four, formation, but every coach is different in the way they want to uh, approach things. And at the end of the day, like you, you're, going, you're going to listen to the coach and if he wants you to play that position, you're going to do it, everything in your power to do as best as you can on the field. So I think for, for me, I'd rather play, like I like to play a 4-3 four three um, formation and I think I think Morky is a great 10 I think it's just obviously just trying to work out what the combinations what you can do with this, the two sixes and and, and and an eight to make sure that obviously th things working better and sometimes it's just one or two things even on the training park it's just making sure you have that connection the right connection and sometimes that, that doesn't come straight away and that takes does take a little bit of time so obviously they, they, they do get along well and by the seams of things but it's just obviously just a couple of things that that I think Carl just needs to speak to him about and just to obviously make sure they're all on the same wavelength and I think that's that, that'll change a few things for them. So let's just get inside the head of you as as a professional midfielder that 4-3-3 you're talking about the triangular three in midfield how how should it function exactly so you got the two sixes and then when you talk about a 10 should that 10 be given a, a free reign or, or or is it a strictly a number eight that they're playing and getting forward as often as they can tell us exactly how it should work i think every it, that, that's the hard thing because every coach is very different as well with the way they want their 10 to be they some to, they let their their tens do roam around and obviously they float off their their number nine and i think if that works for them, great. But if it's not working, then I think the 10 needs to obviously drop in and to be that defensive player as well. Not necessarily to um, get back and always be in the back line, but more so just to be a nuisance and just sort of run around and make sure that obviously they're pressing the right players and they're in a position to, to change the play, but also in a position where if you do win the ball back, then they can break forward. And then that, that position where they're in, obviously, two minds in sort of, in the defence as well as going forward, but knowing that they can cover when they need to. Very valuable insights. We'll move along, Jacob. Uh, let's discuss your other former club, the Central Coast Mariners, obviously absolutely flying at the moment. We can't sing their praises highly enough considering the base that they've come from. Um, you were a part of this setup only a month ago yourself. Uh, I want to know if they're the real deal or not. Yeah, I think that obviously there's there are a few players that they've brought in that have helped a lot with that. Um, especially Oliver Zanich, he's he's a top class player, and I've played and trained with him. And for me, he has changed that massively for them. I think for the, his leadership within the group has helped the team grow, and obviously the the coaching staff have tweaked a few things, and and obviously defensively they're a lot stronger. They don't look like conceding now, which last year and the year before is if we cop one and then sort of everyone's heads go down and it's just sort of we open the gates and and I think that's the the massive difference this year is that obviously him coming in and, and changing that for a lot of people in a lot of people's heads. So what's been the key to the sort of enormous 
turnaround that we've seen on the Central Coast uh, since Alan Stajic first came in. Uh, they've now already won more games in this season than they did during the entirety of last season, which is uh, a huge effort. What do you think it's really come down to? You, you spoke about the new players that have come in um, and just touching on what you said before as well, there have been times this season where they've actually gone down uh, first in a game and managed to bring it back and win, which, uh, you know, we couldn't say of the Central Coast of old. So it looks like, uh, you know, Alan Stajic and the management at the Mariners have, have really transformed every facet of the club at the moment. Yeah, they have. And obviously the likes of bringing the young players through, like Alou and, and um, Dan Hall and some of the other, and Lewis Miller and stuff like that from the youth development and Joshua Nisbet. I think especially Joshua Nisbet has been massive um, and obviously coming through and he, every game he's played, he's been outstanding. So I think just the little things like that and obviously having the same sort of group for a couple of years and it does make a massive difference, obviously building that core and then bringing those more experienced players around them, which I think he's done this year, which has helped them a lot in the, in the aspect of obviously experience within trying to develop the youth as much as possible. And that's obviously showing right now. So it's obviously, it's going to be hard for him to try to maintain it because obviously you want to maintain it for as long as possible. And there's, you're always going to go through periods throughout the season where obviously you drop off and it's just obviously trying to maintain that level of resistances for as long as you can, really. I want to talk about Mark Birogidi, uh, because it seems as though everyone on the outside is pretty shocked with how well the Mariners are doing this season. But Mark Birogidi, who's obviously a former teammate of yours, I'm sure you ran into him on plenty of occasions back during the Adelaide United days as well. I think uh, you may have just uh, missed each other when you were first coming through. It might have been his last season. I can't quite remember. But uh, it was around that time anyway. But uh, more importantly, this season at Central Coast, uh, Mark Rugidi, apparently, uh, rumours tell us that he was uh, approached by Adelaide United to uh, return to Adelaide this season. He rejected that. So he must have seen the wonders that were about to be, to be performed uh, in Gosford this year. Oh, yeah. Look, for, for him, I think it was just, it was a decision as well based on his family. He's got a, he's got a little one and um, the, the, everyone loves the coast. It's a, such a beautiful place to live and I... Uh, I know I'll still live here. So for me, it is a beautiful place to live. And obviously at the end of the day, he's got to do right by his family. And that that's the decision he's got to make. I don't, I'm not sure, obviously, numbers-wise, what if it was too much difference. But I think for him, that was the right decision. And he, he, every club he's played at, and, and especially within the A-League, when he has got the opportunity, he's obviously proven that he's obviously one of the best goalkeepers in within the A-League. So for me, like, he's obviously, it's just another stepping stone for him to keep improving, get better and getting better and better. I just want to get your prediction, Jacob. It's a massive game for both clubs, really. The Central Coast uh, travelling out of New South Wales for the first time in a long while as well. So it will be a bit of a test to see what they're made of on the road. Uh, how do you see this one going? Um, to be honest, I see, I see the Mariners winning 2-1. Um, but I do see a different side to Adelaide. And I'm hoping, obviously, for you guys that it, does you can start to see that it is changing in the aspect of you finding the right core in that midfield and the right combinations and I think that's obviously something that I know that he would be working on they would have been working on the last few weeks and I think it's just obviously in the next few weeks it'll show that he has been working on and it'll come through in the performances that you're putting on. 
Beautiful stuff, Jacob. That does us for our preview of the game. We're going to head into a biographical interview now, finding out all about your career. And it's been a very eventful career as well. So Jacob Melling, the man that's played 81 A-League games and still very much could go on and play more. Who knows? But we'll get into that all that later on. Uh, nine games for Adelaide United, which is where you started your senior career. And I do want to take you all the way back. Uh, so let's go there. You came through our youth setup. Uh, playing first for the Modbury Jets, then the now-defunct Sassy and the AIS. Uh, your first senior season uh, under John Cosmina to begin with, and then uh, obviously Michael Valcanis took over. Just recount your experiences um, from across this entire era for us. So, you make me think now. That's just, this is a long while ago. You obviously, you remember it, but it is a long time ago. You do grow a lot, obviously, from when I first started. And even at moments, you're thinking back. You, you sort of, I guess, when you're young, you sort of take it for granted in ways where you think you, you do have a lot of time. And obviously, you, you're lucky enough to be given the opportunity. You still do work hard and stuff like this, but you don't see it finishing so soon and, and, and things like that. I feel like I could have played for a lot longer, but obviously things, things change in the world of football. Um, obviously, fam you have a family and things change in that dynamic too. So I think that's, it, it, it does weigh up every decision in any footballer's mind when things change. Um, it, going back and obviously looking back over it, like it has helped me grow into the person I am today, especially with all the things and especially moving to the AIS and moving out of home at such a young age. Sort of, you sort of got to start to look after yourself and everyone sees you in a different way. So you've got to start to, I guess, be a lot more professional because you are in the public eye a lot more and you don't do as many things as, as your mates do or you want to do because it's a sacrifice you want to make to be the best person and player you can be. Um, I want to talk about that breed of young players coming through during that time. We had so many good players coming through, and obviously the theme at the moment in Adelaide is all about the youth. Uh, but if we take it back a good eight years, you know, there was a great crop coming through in your generation. Obviously, the likes of uh, Awima Bill, Jordan Elsie, Paul Izzo, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, playing in that youth team, did you... Uh, did you have much of a sort of guarantee that you were eventually going to be sort of rubber stamped to be in that first team sooner rather than later? What was that dynamic like for you just coming through in that youth team with all those fantastic players that are now obviously household names in the A-League? Um, not necessarily. Like, no, you always got to work for your position. I think, obviously, that what helps is you performing on the park. It's like you can train as, as well as you can. And when you do get that opportunity you just got to take it with both hands and obviously always things don't always go to plan but as if you get another opportunity that's when you sort of got to grab it and I know for a lot of players that sometimes you only do get one shot at it and as hard as that may be sometimes you you just got to do the best you can regardless of if you if it wasn't the best before your best performance of your life or it was and I think obviously I'll, for, I still remember my first appearances as at Amy Park against Melbourne's uh, Melbourne Heart at the time and um yeah, it's um, it's probably a memory that I always have with me to till the day I die. It's just something that you sort of can't take away, and even just the feeling of it is something you can't describe really. 
Yeah, special stuff. No question about it at all. I want to focus on that 2012-13 season. Uh, you were involved in the squad a lot from week to week. Obviously, you got your uh, 10 or so games in as well. It was a very strong squad. Uh, do you think we underachieved that season given how well we actually started and, and then how quickly the wheels came off? And obviously, we still made the finals, but uh, fell a far way off of uh, where everyone expected us to. Um, so so what did you make of that entire season overall and, and where did it all go so wrong, I guess? Oh, that's that's a tough question because that's that's a lot of ask for thinking back over ten years ago now. Um, look, we obviously that that season we did start really well, and obviously, like I was saying before, especially with the Mariners, it's just obviously trying to to keep that momentum that they do have going. And I think that was the hard thing. I think once things sort of didn't start to go the way that we wanted to, it sort of just fell off the wheel a little bit, and then it was just harder getting back onto to. That with the winning ways, and we did in the end. And then I think it was just too late when, which, which I guess made the season not as memorable as what we could have had it. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't help when the senior coach resigns halfway through, but um, that's a different story. Um, so let's yeah. talk about who mentored you during this time. Jacob, obviously an absolute array of, of fantastic midfielders around the place um, during this time. Um, who had the biggest influence on you during your time at Adelaide United? Uh, Zen and Caravella and John McCain. They're probably the, the biggest two that even sound still now. It's, I, I talk to them on the odd occasion and you still have a, the same good laughs as what I did not 10 years ago. So it's always good, obviously, even like Brucey and stuff like that. When you see each other, it's it's sort of like you're, you, you're mates, but you haven't obviously seen each other and spoke to each other in a long time and sort of like nothing changes, which is it's a nice thing to have. And I think that's a, what it's like with a lot of players and you might not speak to each other, but when you see each other, it's like you never left sort of thing. Yeah, all very interesting. Uh, so there was this unusual passage in your career after this point where Adelaide United decided to make you a dual-listed player with Para Hills. Obviously, the intent was to get you playing regularly week to week, but also uh, retaining you, knowing that, uh, you know, at some point you were very much going to be a player that they relied on regularly. Um, now, what went on in this period exactly? Uh, what really happened was I wasn't playing games. Uh, I was training lots. And at the time, I wasn't really playing youth team games and the, or the youth team season was finished. And for me, I was just wanted to play games. I needed to play games to, to get better and to improve as a player. And so I put up to them and asked them if I could obviously play sort of local league for a few weeks so that I can get some game fitness into me. So it, it helps me build as a player and come back stronger. So I, I'm more of an opportunity and I'm in scene to, to obviously try to get a start and get on the bench to play in A-League. So fast forwarding to your eventual move to Melbourne City in 2014, this must have been one of the most exciting periods throughout your entire lifetime. Obviously, this was the transition of Melbourne Heart to Melbourne City pretty much at the exact time. Uh, suddenly, you saw yourself playing at a club owned by Manchester City, state-of-the-art resources, David Villa, uh, coming into things as well. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on. But before we discuss David Villa, just talk to us about uh, how up and about exactly you were at this time when you moved across, because uh, there are a few other SA boys in the setup there as well. Uh, we know Michael Petrillo eventually joined from Adelaide United too. So you would have had that connection there as well. Uh, you must have been really, really buzzing at this point in time. Yeah, I was. And I think that was the hard thing. Obviously, I wasn't, didn't really, didn't play after that first year I was at Adelaide and, 
obviously it was hard for me to sort of make my next step and the opportunity did come up to go to to Melbourne City um, which was changing over from Melbourne Heart and I, I did grab that with two hands sort of thing because it's sort of like for me it was sort of like a lifeline um, to obviously try to get that next step and obviously build myself as an A-League player and continue to be an A-League player in more of a, a starting player and if not to start off as a bench player leading into a starting player so for me, it was just obviously another opportunity for me to, to better myself as a player. And things, I guess, do, do get easier when you're at home as well. I was still living with my parents. So I was still young. So obviously changing everything like that is a very big shock to the system. But I think it's something that it did need to happen for me to, to improve as a person and as a player. So And to get to obviously be fortunate enough to, to make 81 appearances. And I think that's what started that off. Often when we think about Melbourne City, we think about the riches that they have and the fact that, uh, uh, you know, it's very much sort of a bit of a different setup to what we have here in Adelaide. Um, did you find that when you went over there or did you sort of still identify it as, as being very much just a case of, of being in a professional league and just a new surrounding or did it seem like a world away from Adelaide? Um, yes and no. I've always loved Melbourne as the city. Um, uh, I still love it now. Like I always, I'd like to go. I always like to go there to visit, and obviously, I love the the coffee culture and and stuff like that. And it's massive in Melbourne. So for me, it was just where's next for coffee after training, to be honest. Um, but like it, as as a as a club, when I first got there, it was um, very different compared to what it was towards the middle end of the season. When we first got there, we were still sort of training out of a sort of like a the same similar change rooms that it had been in the past wasn't the greatest even one of the days we were out of school and it was freezing cold in the mornings it's almost oh, 10 degrees and you, you got these portable heaters they try to put into the change room to make it a bit of warmer and um, just things like that that you sort of like you, you take for granted once you obviously do have the facilities as Melbourne City do when, when I was there what they did have towards the end which was unbelievable and you think you always will remember that because of the facilities they do have as well. And I think that was obviously the big change there. And at times, um, even when I was at Adelaide, that, what, 2012, it was the training facilities and where we did have to train weren't the greatest. And compared to what they are now and the facilities that they do have, obviously it's taken a long time for them to get there. And I think it's taken a lot of clubs a long time to get to position where they do have their own training facility and have their own fields that they can call home every day so it's a massive step that I think the league needed to have a while ago but that now that they do have it and it sort of needs to continue to grow and improve so we can have a better youth system coming through and obviously I think each A-League team should have a proper youth development system coming all the way through from all ages to be able to, to prove themselves in and to become obviously represent our country at the end of the day and, and be best footballers to want to stay in the A-League instead of trying to always aspire to go overseas. You've addressed that beautifully. Uh, I want to discuss David Villa. He comes in very early on in the 2014-15 season. Were you pinching yourself at this point in time? Yeah, I was. I remember going away. Um, it would have been... Oh, I think it was when I was with Adelaide. We had a, a camp in Spain and uh, we went and watched Barcelona against... Um, it was Atletico, Atletico Madrid, and he scored this volley. And I still remember that game like in the back of my hand. And it's just one of these volleys, you're like, 
wow. And and then only a few years later, I'm training with him, and it's a, it's a sort of very surreal sort of feeling. Like you sort of like pinch yourself and like, yeah, I'm training with him, and he's just you, you can't think of it too much because otherwise it gets to your head, sort of thing. So you just like you just got to try to enjoy the moment um, as much as you can because it's not every day you get to play and train with such a world class player. Yeah, no doubt. He wasn't there an awfully long time. Did you have any interactions? Uh, what was he like off the pitch? Uh, just training with him. What was all that like? Oh, he's a very professional person. I think he always had his sort of had his a full time physio, just his own that he sort of brought uh, with him. Um, so it kept him in obviously the best shape as as he could, and and things like that. Just obviously the little details, which has helped him throughout his whole career, and you can sort of see. And I think a lot of people picked up on that. And which helped everyone in the team um, just because they can see the professionalism that he has and the little details that he does do to, to better himself each day. Fascinating stuff, mate. Uh, so you moved to Western Sydney just a few months before Melbourne City won the FFA Cup in 2016. Very unfortunate timing, one might say, given that uh, you missed out on silverware there. And considering, uh, you know, the fact that you've been at four clubs, I think, uh, and the fact that Western Sydney made the grand final just before you moved there, it all, it all seems a little bit unlucky that you, you sort of didn't manage to get your hands on some silver at some stage there, mate. But uh, you did move over to Western Sydney in 2016, playing under Tony Popovich to begin with, then eventually Josip Gombao. Uh, this was a really indifferent period for Western Sydney, obviously. Uh, we were used to the Western Sydney performing very well week in, week out to a, a period of perennial struggle. Um, Talk to us about your experience under both of these managers. Uh, I think they're both very, I guess, complete opposite in managers in what I've what I've had, especially with both of them. Tony Popovich was a great coach, and but he was very regimented and strict in the way he liked his his players and the way he wanted his players to be. Um, in the aspects of especially skin folds and making sure they're the right way, then. Obviously, you, you would have heard stories about some of the things that sort of gone on and and some of them are true, some of them aren't. But at the end of the day, like that's that's who he was as coach. And if you want to replay, you got to listen to what he wants. And I think that was a lot of hard. It was, it was very hard for a lot of people to accept. And I think that's why, obviously, he has done so well. But at the same time, that's why there's probably such a big turnaround when he was there. It's because of that reason where players can only do it for a certain amount of time before they sort of need a break or... Or it breaks them really, and then especially Gumbauer. And this is, I've had him. I had him when I was first at Adelaide, and then even when I was at Wanderers. And for me, he's the one of the best technical coaches there is, and the way he wants to, the way he wants to play. And I still remember everything that he's taught me because there's little little details that I guess growing up in Australia you don't learn as much as you would uh, play coming from as i guess the south american sort of backgrounds and as i think he's still still one of the, the the greatest coaches i've had because of that reason obviously things didn't always work out but as a person and as a coach I, I still loved having him uh you talked about the fact that they are two managers from the opposite ends of the spectrum uh, how did both of them go about getting the most out of you? Obviously, Josip Gombao's game, very different to Popovich's, uh, but you are the, the typical number six yourself. So how did both of them as coaches sort of go about trying to utilise you best? Um, I get, it's, it's hard to say because they both have a very different approach in the way they, 
speak to their players and, and whatnot. Their papa's very good at obviously getting into the minds of their, his players and obviously trying to work out how to get the best out of them, in especially athletically. And that's why obviously most of the time his teams were so fit and could run, keep running and keep running and keep running is because he tapped into that and he's, he did that as a player. And so, especially I think for him, there's, it was, if I can do it, they can do it too as well. And I think he sort of had that mentality with a lot of things. And I know he's changed a lot in the way he does approach things, but it's still that type of mentality where that you, you, you give everything for him. And I know a lot of players have, and, and would love to obviously, go play with him again if they had the opportunity and I know the same thing especially with Gumbao is he's more relaxed and tries to obviously get close to you and and be good friends with you and that's what he was with a lot of players and I think that's why you you sort of do want to work hard for him is because he listens and he respects you as a player but then at the same time he he listens to the group and 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 what they want and what they need as well and tries to do those things as to the best of his ability. There's one uh, rumour I do want you just to confirm for me, mates. I've heard it from a few people. Apparently, the buffet is very strict under Popper, not so strict at all under Yossip. He had a bit of a sweet tooth, old Yossip. Uh, is that true? Oh, look, I think everyone has a sweet tooth. It all depends on uh, all depends on if they're watching or not, I think. I know I have a massive sweet tooth, and it's... Very hard for me when uh, when I was playing with Popper because he always did want me to try to lose a little bit of weight, which that for me that was the hardest thing to do. So um, yeah, it was very hard sometimes at the buffet dinners when you see all this sticky date pudding and 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 whatnot come out and you're like, oh, I just want it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting but, yeah, coming from uh, a gym I instructor. What, I think I think what works for best of the players, and I think that's what. Um, your set was very different on these. Like, if that's what you want, then do that. And I know that some players would, would obviously, the way it was portrayed, especially at Adelaide, was great and it worked 100% well for for them. And I think when it was at Wanderers, it just didn't work and it didn't click the way he wanted it to there. And that's the way things obviously work sometimes. And didn't I think coming from Popper and then going to that, it was too much of a change for them to adapt to because Popper is very regimented in the way he wants things and, and Gumbau is obviously his regiments in the way he wants things on the field. But as long as you're sort of happy and having a, uh, enjoying yourself as well, which will help in, in I guess, for him, it, was, it will help you perform at the end of the day on the park. And, and I think that was, that was the, the big difference in the way things were, were going. Um, it must be frustrating for you looking back seeing how many good teams you're a part of. I mean, when we talk about Melbourne City, the likes of Bruno Fornaroli, Aaron Moy, and then Western Sydney, guys like Oriol Riera, um, you know, the catalogue of, of brilliant players that have, have been at both clubs throughout both stints that you had at those clubs. And, and yet you sort of, um, you know, weren't able to, to see either of those sides win silverware. Is that something you, you look back on and just think like, you know, I was, I was really unlucky not, not to eventually lift something with, with either of those two squads? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, especially, I think, mainly the, uh, when I was at Melbourne City when we did have the likes of Bruno Fonaroli, Aramoy and Harry Navillo, I think the, those three were, even Harry Navillo, he's, I think he's playing in the UAE at the moment. But for me, he's one of the, best players I've ever played with technically, tactically. It, 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 I think it's just obviously little things that 
sort of got to him mentally and obviously hinted where I think he could be because uh, personally I think he could play in, in the top leagues in the world and not look out of place with, without a doubt. And I know obviously the, the Moy's up there and he, he has done that. And for me, the, the, I th- personally think that Nivello was a better player than him. But obviously things don't always go to plan for a lot of players and, and I'm not taking anything away from Moy because he is one of the best players I've ever played with also. But just, I guess, natural ability that Harry did have, you could, it was very different. Um, just speak to us about any memories that stand out for you during your time uh, playing outside of Adelaide, obviously. We'll get to the Mariners in a second, but uh, across Wanderers and City, uh, you know, some very eventful years. Were there any, any memories on or off the park that, uh, you know, will always stay with you? Um, I guess uh, I like I have good memories at all, both clubs at all clubs really. I think for me is the the group, the group of boys that sort of we did have at City at the time. There was obviously all the older boys and then the younger boys, but we did have such a good tight knit young group, which we always did stuff together every weekend. We'll go go and get coffee every day. We'd go get coffee and do things together. We'll go have picnics together and just go for the beach just like always doing stuff together and I think that made a massive difference like for me as a player as well just having that camaraderie as as a team even though it was mainly the young boys but even the we always invite the older boys because we did get along with them so well it was I don't know very different for me and that's something I guess I would always remember because of the fact that it's not all it doesn't always happen like that in the world of football so I'd always remember that. And it would be remiss of me not to ask you about your one professional goal that you did score. It was at the time that you were at Melbourne City. Nice little goal. I've watched it back. Uh, obviously, uh, a feeling that, uh, you know, nothing can ever replace. No. And uh, it's, I think, what, what I feel like it's it's funny because I've had, I think there's quite a few chances where the goalkeeper has got saved the week. And I was saying, how has that not gone in? And then I score ahead. I'm like... I don't know how I know I can jump, but I don't know how I've scored ahead of anything of any goal. I don't know how I've scored ahead of. So I uh, look, it's something I always remember because it's the only goal that I've scored in the A League and the only professional goal that you sort of remember those things and you remember sort of the play, how it happened and, and everything like that. It sort of just runs through your head when you do think about it. You can pretty much remember exactly what happened. Yeah, well, at least you can sleep safely at night knowing that you're a six and you're not really expected to score goals anyway, mate. So uh, <laughs> I, I think we'd all rather that than uh, being the top build striker that's having a bit of a barren run. Let's move into your time at Central Coast. Uh, you moved there in early 2018, initially under Mike Mulvey. How'd you find playing under the 2013-14 Brisbane Raw Championship winning manager at the time? Um, it's... It's very different. Like, I think in a way, he was sort of like yourself in the way he liked his thing, um, like the way he treated his players. And he was, he was trying to be very personable and he listened to his players very well. And I think there was just a, a few key aspects that we sort of lacked because we did have a great side. And especially like when one of us, Mariners, and he was the coach and, and everything like that, there was a few things that obviously let us down throughout the year that, if you if you look back at the squad itself, we had an unbelievable squad, and I think we should have done it a lot better than we actually did. And one of the reasons as well, we had a strength and conditioning coach left, I think, a week before the season started, and then we didn't get another one in. I think little aspects like that, I think, hindered us a lot because if you look at the time there, if we 
actually um, finished most of the games at half time, we would have won the season. I was like, obviously, no, there's two halves to every game, but how the stat can like that can change so much is is beyond me. So it's just little things like that, which just obviously couldn't run out of the game, and obviously little tweaking things that we did need to improve, and and that, that's something you sort of just like. Again, in a way, it's out of the players' control as well because if there's no strength conditioning coach and and things like that, obviously it hinders a lot of things in the aspect of performing. Yeah, absolutely. And those those are the one percenters, aren't they? The the really influential coaches that come and go. Uh, we know how often it affects an A League club to lose key personnel like that. Uh, so Mulby exits. Alan Stadjic comes in, fresh from his Matildas ousting. Uh, Tell us about how you found uh, being at the club at this time under Stagic. Obviously, so many hardships over the last several years that have uh, been experienced at Central Coast. I know you weren't around for a lot of, of those, but obviously, you know, residual scars with a lot of those players that have been there for a long period of time. Um, incredible to see the turnaround that we're seeing at the moment. Uh, must be a very tight-knit feel uh, with the boys in Gosford, Jacob. Yes, it was. I think like even with the well, both coaches, it was and still is now to this day, a tight-knit group. And obviously, um, it, I think it's starting to show more, especially with the way they're playing this year. And like I said before, they've done a bit of tweaking, which has helped them immensely. And obviously, they're trying to find the right the right players and the right combination. And I think that's what they've, they've found at the moment. And it's just obviously trying to continue that for it to grow. Um, it, it Like it's hard because obviously you still want to be there, but at the same time, like I've taken that next step in my life and you're still happy for the boys and I still speak to them all the time and stuff like that. And obviously things don't always work out at each club, no matter as much as you want them to, or if you get along with players or coaching staff, things happen. That's just the way the world of football it doesn't matter sort of what you like. Things things happen in the, in the world game. Can I ask you uh, where your biggest soft spot lies? Is it in your hometown or elsewhere? It is Melbourne City. Melbourne City. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so after leaving the Mariners late last year, you signed for Terrible United FC. Firstly, tell us about the club uh, and how it's all going at the moment during these very strange times that we live in, obviously, Jacob. Um, it's gone good so far. I've only been able to be, go, um, able to be able to go to a, few, a couple of training sessions. The boys have all seemed very welcoming. Um, I know, obviously, quite a few people that are there and one of the um, the staff members that was at the Mariners, uh, Sharon Baxter, she's um, the one that she sort of helps run Terrigal United. So obviously she was the one of the reasons why I went there. So obviously I, I knew her and she helped me a lot at my time at the Mariners. So it made that decision easy to sort of go there. I think the opportunity was to go elsewhere and I have had opportunities to go elsewhere, but just for me, it was I think it was time to sort of take that next step and, um, you know, I guess in my in my life more than anything, it's something that I needed to do, and uh, I know that I don't really want to travel too far from from home at the moment, and it's one of the reasons why I did choose to to stay and play locally on the coast instead of obviously travelling to Sydney because I do know that obviously the league is is the, and the standard is better, and, and that's something that obviously I'll have to reassess at the end of the season and see if that's what's something that I want to stay up here or try try to I guess. Not necessarily move, but just um, commute to training and playing games in Sydney. Obviously, with a new job, I was going to find a hard anyway to do that. So, for me, that was the decision I made to, to I guess, 
to still play football and, and enjoy it. I think obviously towards uh, when you're not playing and things aren't going your way in your career, it's sort of hard to sometimes enjoy it and enjoy the, the game you love. So for me, it's, I guess, as well, trying to get back to doing what I love and enjoying it again because things obviously don't always go the way they are and you're not playing every week. And I think mentally it takes a big toll on you. So it's, um, it's uh, something that I'm looking forward to, especially the season coming up to getting back out there, obviously meeting new people and making new mates and enjoying the game that I do love. Great stuff, mate. Uh, it's a beautiful segue into where we are currently. So, uh, obviously, you are now involved with F45 there in Gosford. Uh, tell us all about how that's going. Yeah, good. Yeah, um, we've so the, the, I know it's a couple of studios. So, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to manage the one in Terrigal. I think most of the, the boys around the league would know where that is because that's where they generally stay when they do come come down to play um, at the old Blue Tongue Stadium. So for, for me, it's um, I'm only around the corner, so it is home for me now. So and I do I do love it here, and, and the concept of I think it was easier to sort of transition to being sort of coming from that sort of fitness background where I naturally always sort of had to be fit and look after my body, and I think it has helped that transition into to something different within obviously still being athletic and and sporty. So. And I'm happy to talk to anyone, and I think which has helped with, obviously, because I've played at the highest level and you've had to talk to different people, no matter who you are and at what time, you sort of just, you're just something that I've always, I've always done, happy to do. And, and it's obviously helped me within the transition of what I'm doing now. Fantastic stuff. And uh, you're obviously a very busy man, young family now as well. Um How's that all going, and and have you closed the door on on playing in the A League at some point in your future or not? Um, it is really well. My son's three now. He's at daycare most days, so it's uh, obviously he's a handful at times. He likes to obviously muck around, and uh, he's a good a good age. But you know, sometimes uh, everyone says terrible terrible twos, and I think it was harder when I actually got to three for the first few months and didn't know what hit him to be honest, but. He's come good. He's come good now, and uh, look, he, yeah, I just enjoy obviously spending as much time with him as I can. And obviously, things things haven't been easy, especially with football. You do travel quite a bit, and so to be able to spend more time with him and and be there most days is is something that I do cherish and want to obviously. That, that I don't, I'm not sure um, if my door has closed on the A League, and if I sort of want to go back. Um, I've spoken to a few people, but I think it's just sort of something that I, I have reassessed and sort of thinking about. Um, but at this point in time, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying obviously the next step of my life. And if something does come up that I sort of would like to take, then uh, we'll take that as it comes, I guess. All very interesting, mate. So you are an SA boy, obviously. Uh, we It's scary to think about what the future might hold from a month from now. So to think 10 years from now is, is intense at the moment, but, uh, you know, we, we are stigmatised quite often as being a destination for, for people to come back to and sort of spend their later years in their career or retire. Um, have you cast, has your mind gone there at all about whether you'll uh, eventually come home or not? Oh, look, at the same time I've thought about it and I've thought about obviously moving back home and and especially being from Adelaide, I've always, I've always loved it. This is very different, I think, to most cities, but it's very beautiful as well. So uh, I, I have thought about it. I'm not sure at this stage. Obviously, I still got to think about my family and it depends on what they want to do as well. So 
um, it is. I do love it here too. So it, it's there's no real sort of answer to that. I'm not sure, obviously, where the future where the future would take me or could take me. So I do just sort of go with the flow in that aspect. And if uh, if I'm lucky enough to get the opportunity to go home, then and I'm I'll, I'll I'll take that with open arms because obviously all my family is still there and and stuff like that. All all my friends from back home. So it is something that I obviously have considered. But at the moment, I'm I'm enjoying my life here and. Obviously, the family love it here, so we'll see how we go from there. Well, Jacob Melling, 81 A-League game, still just 25 years old. We wish you all the very best with your future endeavours, everything that you've got going on on your plate at the moment. You are very busy, like we just spoke about. You make sure you stay safe, and uh, it's been great checking in with you, finding out all about your career as as one of those fantastic players that has come through the state over the last 10 years, mate. Uh, you take care and uh, enjoy the football. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks, guys. Awesome stuff. Thanks for watching, guys.